Please turn uh, at this time to Acts chapter 12. I would like to read for us verses 1 through 19. Tonight we will be looking at verses 6 through 11. Again, listen to the Lord's word. Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow, and he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. When he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. They said to her, You're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. They kept saying, It's his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. And he said, Report these things to James and the brethren. Then he left and went to another place. Now when day came, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers as to what could have become of Peter. When Herod had searched for him and had not found him, he examined the guards and ordered that they, had be, that they be led away to execution. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and was spending time there. This is the Lord's word. Again, will you bow with me and let's seek the Lord's blessing. <coughs> Father, again, we thank you for this evening and again, thank you for your word and pray that your blessing will be upon this servant and upon these, your people, that we would find, Father, great encouragement in this text of scripture for ourselves in these days in which we live. And we praise you, Father, that you have given this word to us for such a time as this and for the encouragement that we need. We pray, Lord, that our our hearts would be strengthened, and that we would rest in you. I do ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. So I mentioned this morning this um, latest policy or this bill that has been put forward um, 
to be voted upon. And as I was dealing with it this morning, I was coming at it from the standpoint of the climate or the culture is changing. Um, and be, that being the case, the message shouldn't change. If we're preaching the word, we're preaching the word. And it's either in season or it's out of season. But that doesn't affect anything, does it? Because whether it's in season or out of season, we are to preach the word. If people had come back tonight, uh, they would hear the flip side of this coin, that this pastor is not nervous, <laughs> nor should you be nervous. Again, this policy is, is a serious, uh, this bill is a very serious thing. I want to remind you again what this article said. They said that it threatens religious freedom and the institution of marriage in multiple ways. Again, they state it further embeds a false definition of marriage in the American legal fabric. It opens the door to federal recognition of uh, polygamous relationships. It jeopardizes the tax-exempt status of nonprofits that exercise their belief that marriage is the union of one man and one woman. It could make religious freedom and free speech cases harder to win. It could result in predatory litigation by activists against faith-based social service organizations that could mire Americans in courts for years to vindicate their rights under the First Amendment. They say, the truth is, the Respect for Marriage Act does nothing to change the status of same-sex marriage or the benefits afforded to same-sex couples following Obergefell. It does much, however, to endanger religious freedom. And as I mentioned this morning, I don't doubt this. Um, hearing this and, and hearing the, the news reports, hearing the forecasters uh, who look into these things, it is no wonder that Christians of small businesses, nonprofits, churches, and pastors alike, it's no wonder that many uh, of us would be nervous. Again, the landscape of the United States has changed. We are no longer a country that looks with favor upon the things of the Lord, at least our government. The stage is being set for persecution. Godless ideologies, controlled narratives, and any who disagree who would be labeled as haters and enemies of the state. But having said all these things, and I, I really hope that this is the case for you, we must remember, uh, friends, that the, the Lord's church, the true church, has always endured hardship from the world at the world's hands. This is nothing new. It, it has always been here. The world hates the Lord Jesus, and it hates his followers. You have to choose, right? Who, who do you, whose approval do you want? Do you want the Lord's, or do you want the world? Jesus said this to us. Remember what, um, again, he said, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, and they did, they will also persecute you. The Lord has said it. As we look at Acts chapter 12 tonight, we see the Lord's word being fulfilled in part, in a, in a small measure. We started looking at this passage uh, back um, at the end of October. And we noted then that Luke here is recording for the church the second wave of persecution that was to hit the church. Do you remember what the first wave was of persecution to hit? It was with in regard to Stephen and his martyrdom. And after Stephen was martyred, we are told that persecution broke out against the church, 
Uh, we're told this in Acts 8, verse 1, and on that day a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. Uh, that wave was performed or, or driven by the religious leaders in Jerusalem. This second wave is not driven by the religious leaders, but by King Herod, the grandson of Herod the Great, known also as King Agrippa, King Agrippa I. Like all politicians, um, he would use his heritage to advance himself. Remember, in his bloodline, his grandmother was a Jewess, and so he used that to further his own advantage. One commentator noted, and I mentioned this five, six weeks ago, he said he made known that he enjoyed living in Jerusalem. While there, he scrupulously observed Jewish law and tradition. Daily, he offered sacrifices at the temple. During the Feast of Tabernacles, the Jewish authorities gave him the honor of reading publicly a passage from the law. He did so in harmony with the Mosaic law that the king read a copy of the law all the days of his life. This is in Deuteronomy 17. In short, says this commentator, the Jews accepted King Herod Agrippa as one of their number. Josephus uh, referred to him as a mild and liberal but an ambitious prince. And so, like most politicians, his goal was to advantage himself, to shore up his standing, uh, to establish his authority. And you do this by keeping not necessarily the largest contingency happy, but certainly the loudest contingency happy. And so he was doing these things, and we see this plainly in the text. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. He's advantaging himself. This is, this is what the world does. We, the church becomes an easy target. We see this here. He makes the church an easy target in Jerusalem. Again, we're told that he laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them, and he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. To be sure, now, this is completely unjust. Imagine this, um, and, and you see, remember all of the commands were given in the, the New Testament about how we're supposed to carry ourselves as Christians, right? Very important, our witness to the world. Um, and, and I think of how you tip the waitress, how you treat people, how you'll drive, how you'll park, you know, all these sorts of things. We get cranky, we get irritable, and we lash out. But, you know, we, we do. We need to be very careful about how we represent the Lord. This town is little. Riverton is little. People know where you go to church, or they know that you, that you go to church, right? The sticker on the back of your bumper tells the world, oh, that's one of those Christian people. Very important how you represent yourself. Christians, and, and I will go out on a limb and say, in spite of our weaknesses and our failings, Christians still represent the best of society. They are the most orderly, they are the most disciplined, they are the most dutiful, they are the most hardworking, they esteem marriage, they esteem family, they are honest. It is absolutely insane, it is demonic to trouble those who contribute so much to society. What, what ruler, what government hurts the people who bring the greatest stability to the republic? That makes no sense, does it? And yet, this is what we see happening. And so as to get the most out of his political theater, after having Peter put in prison under guard of four squads, that is 16 soldiers, 
Herod would sit on Peter, so to speak, and hold on to him until after the Passover to bring him out before the people. Right? Never let uh, a lot of exposure go to waste. This is good political theater. Everyone's preoccupied with this, the Passover. Right? We're celebrating our deliverance out of Egypt. We're celebrating our deliverance from sin. And so we're going to wait until after this, this week uh, of celebration then we'll bring Peter out, then we'll make a spectacle of him, right? And you can see the, the hypocrisy, you can see how we're, we're not even celebrating the Passover properly, right? Because you're supposed to celebrate it without leaven, and leaven represents sin. And here they were, they're going to make a spectacle of this Christian, Peter. There is nothing new under the sun here. So we are told uh, in verse 5, Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. A couple of interesting little uh, facts here. You notice what time of night that they're praying? <laughs> they're well into the, I mean, commentaries are saying this is just probably before sunup, that people are gathered in a house. And it was interesting to refer to some of the reform commentaries and have them say, back in their day, we can't get anyone to show up to a prayer meeting. And if they are at anyone's house late into the, to the morning, it's usually because they're eating and drinking themselves silly. I mean, even then, they were talking about how difficult it was to get people in prayer meetings. But they have prayer that is going on. And we're told that this prayer is, is being done fervently. They're strained or stretched in their praying. They are earnestly praying. We've just lost James. We don't want to lose Peter as well. So they feel this urgency, and they go to the Lord, and they are pleading with the Lord to deliver Peter. My friends, this is one point of great encouragement to us in the face of pending persecution and why I would hope that we should have and, and have every reason to have tremendous comfort is the church is not helpless. The church is not helpless in the face of persecution. What if these things, what if the worst actually materializes? What do we do? We pray, right? Don't, don't come and pray over your corn dog before, you know. And by the way, thank you for the corn dog and please deliver our pastor. But you gather and you, you pray earnestly, you pray fervently, we have this recourse given to us, and that is a blessing, a privilege that the rest of the world doesn't have outside of Christ. The Lord does not hear their prayers. We have access to the throne of grace because of the work of Jesus Christ. That is a tremendous privilege. And so we come to the Lord and we make our petitions heard. And we will see that as in this case, and I believe it's recorded here for this very reason, in order that we should find encouragement and in direction in the face of persecution against the church. This is how the church early on handled persecution. And as we've mentioned before, we can do more than pray after we have prayed, but we can do nothing else until we have prayed. This passage should give us cause to be greatly comforted, especially in light of the decisions of this past week, not to become nervous and afraid. We have recourse as the Lord's people. So as we read on here in verses 6 through 11, we're given further reason that we can be comforted by what the Lord has done. Again, listen to verses 6 through 11. 
We're told on that very night, or on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and put on your sandals, and he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow, and he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. We're confronted by a great problem. We are confronted by uh, a, a tremendous threat. What do we do? We pray. And then we remember this, friends, that the Lord is able to deliver his saints miraculously. And this is what I want you to see. Uh, you know, we're, I know we're a scientific age. We've got an explanation for everything that goes on. And we have discounted the spiritual realm. My friends, don't discount the spiritual realm. Don't discount the fact that the Lord has his angels watching over his people. And they are, as the scriptures say, ministering spirits sent to protect those who will inherit salvation. They are flames of fire. They bring messages from the Lord. They bring encouragement. Even the writer of Hebrews says that some of you have entertained angels unaware, not even knowing that you were entertaining angels, and they were sent there for a purpose to encourage you. So on that very night, on that very night when Herod was about to bring Peter forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and guards in front of the door uh, we're watching over the prison. It is an impossible situation. This is the first thing you need to see. Peter is in an impossible situation. James has already been put to death, as well as the guard who guarded James, according to Eusebius. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, we mentioned that about six weeks ago. The guard who marched James to be executed uh, converted to Christianity. And the historian um, Eusebius says that he was actually put to death as well. So here James uh, was put to death. And here is Peter. He's in pre prison. He's stuck between two guards. He's under lock and key. He's chained with guards posted outside of the door on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward. It is the 11th hour. Nothing has happened yet to Peter. And we are told something that's, that's astounding to me, and it's this. Peter was sleeping. He's sleeping. How can he be sleeping? His beloved brother in the Lord, James, has been killed. Nothing has happened yet to indicate that Peter himself will be delivered from Herod's cruel plan, and yet he is asleep. We don't know, do we, any of us, what awaits us and what is around the corner for us. In this life, we are not promised ease. In fact, James, a faithful servant of the Lord, met with a cruel end. Should Peter think that his neck is any safer uh, than James's? The answer is no. He does not know, nor do we, 
Some of us may die young, some may live way up in our years, some may suffer the effects of persecution, and some may escape it and look on from afar. If you were to read no further than verse 6, you would have to assume that at this point, uh, this would be Peter's last night on earth. That's, that's what you are led to believe. There's no way he's getting out of this prison. There's no way he's going to escape execution. It is impossible. And yet, he sleeps. How can he do that? I can only think of one reason, and that is that his mind was kept at peace because he rested in his Savior's care for him. Do you see how completely we can rest in the Lord's care for him? Um and his care for us. Isaiah 26.3 says, The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. He doesn't know the future any more than we do. Peter doesn't. Yet he knows the one who holds the future, who holds him, so that whether it is easy or difficult, whether or not we live or die, what's the answer? We're the Lord's. We are the Lord's. And that's where the Christian's peace comes from. We are the Lord's. Peter is the Lord's, so whether he is unjustly treated and killed like James was, or is set free, he knows he will be all right. He is able to sleep because he is the Lord's. And this is important, my friends, not that we should not box God in as if only good and ease may be, may be your lot. You will fare well because the Lord is your God. And I'm reminded of this when we consider Paul and all that he went through. My wife and I have spoken about this uh, frequently over the years. You have passages like uh, Matthew chapter 6 where he says, Consider the birds of the field or consider the, or the, the birds of the air or the flowers of the field. Consider how the Lord feeds them, provides for them, clothes them, and, 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 and how uh, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. And then you hear Paul's list of I was left stranded, and I was left for hunger, and I was left to exposure, and I was shipwrecked, and I was beaten. And how do you compare these two passages of Scripture? It's very simple. Sometimes our Father, in his love for us, says, you could do without a meal or two. Sometimes he says, you need to go through a shipwreck or two. You need to suffer for my name's sake. But you know what's beautiful about that? It's, it's the Lord, our Father. And I think of, what was that show? Was it the 60s or in the 50s? Father knows best. That's a true statement. Our Heavenly Father knows best what we need. It was time for James to die and to be taken to glory. It was time for him to be beheaded. Was he suffering for only a few seconds? And then he entered into his Father's glory. For Peter, is he going to suffer? It looks like it, but he can sleep. Why? Because he knows that his Father in heaven will do exactly what is best for him. And I'm telling you that this is the way we enter into persecution. You, you don't have to worry. It's like, oh no, what's going to happen to me? Uh, 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 I'm going to be forgotten. The Lord's not going to forget you. He doesn't. He will give you exactly what you need. Some of you have read The Hiding Place. Corey Ten Boom, and you remember the the, uh, the part of the book or in the movie, if you watch the movie, where they go to the concentration camp, and she and her sister, 
and some other women are stuck in these back bunks where they have all this lice and they like oh, why did the Lord have to give us lice and Corey's complaining and her sister and I forget her sister's name says something like Corey don't don't complain about this God God means it for some purpose and it was beautiful because it was the lice climbing in their hair that kept the guards away from them so they they could have Bible study in the back of the barrack they could read their Bibles they could fellowship they could pray your father knows best in all of these little things it's that we get into this mindset of I'm an American I deserve better check yourself check yourself you need what the Lord says you need and he will do because he's our father he will do what is absolutely best and how do we know this because he did not spare his own son for us if he didn't spare his own son do you think really he's going to be miserly with you and hold back other things that you don't need he's not going to do it and so it's a it's a beautiful picture in the face of persecution here in this impossible situation here is this man peter sleeping what a what a beautiful picture of christian rest in the lord in god's providential care working through the prayers of his people by his design because this is what god does he designs prayer to play into his providence god now delivers peter and this is what we're told listen again verses 7 through 11 and behold an angel of the lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell and he struck peter's side and woke him up saying get up quickly and his chains fell off and his uh, fell off of his hands and the angel said to him gird yourself put on your sandals and he did so and he said to him wrap your cloak around you and follow me and he went out and continued to follow and he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision when they had passed the first and second guard they came to the iron gate that leads into the city which opened up uh, opened for them by itself and they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel departed from him there are many times that things appear hopeless and that there is no way out of certain doom and destruction yet the Lord is not thwarted by men and their efforts what is impossible for us is not impossible for our God we could never say oh this isn't going to end well we just don't know do we what is impossible for us is not impossible for our God and I want to recall uh, for you the words of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego it doesn't look good for them going to be thrown into the fiery furnace because they refused to bow down to the Nebuchadnezzar's golden image when the music played and he's going to give them a second chance maybe they've come to their senses they say to him it's just a beautiful statement of faith oh Nebuchadnezzar we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter if it be so listen to this if it be so our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire he is able this isn't impossible for the Lord he is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and he will deliver us out of your hand O king but even if he does not let it be known to you O king that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up in Peter's case in distinction from James, the Lord had other work for Peter to do. 
The Lord will take each of us in his timing at precisely the right time until such time, friends, that he does. We serve the Lord. So we're told, And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell. It's an impossible situation, but the Lord sends his angel. Luke draws attention to the fact that the Lord has sent this angel, a messenger, again, a ministering spirit, to aid his servant Peter. And we're told suddenly this angel appears. We are reminded that the Lord is not limited, but has at his disposal rather, the heavenly host. He has this heavenly army that is, is there, and he's watching over us. Remember, when Jesus was arrested, he reminded his servants that he was not, not without defensive capabilities. He said, Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels. A legion is six thousand. Twelve legions would be seventy-two thousand angels. Do you really think I need you swinging your sword to defend me? Do you not think I could ask my father and seventy-two thousand angels? Wouldn't that have been a sight? The entire sky would have just opened up in flame and fire. It would have been spectacular. But he didn't come at that point, right, to defeat his enemy. Or rather, he came to defeat the real enemy in the right way, which was the sacrifice of himself. So here, you, you see, the Lord has his angels watching over his people. Peter's in this impossible situation, and the Lord dispatches one of his angels to deliver Peter. He appears suddenly. This dark cell is all of a sudden all lit up by the angel, a detail that Luke includes, and we're not sure why. Perhaps it was to give this assurance to Peter that the Lord was with him. Perhaps it was to help Peter see in a dark cell. Find your clothes. Find your shoes. Perhaps it was both. We don't know for sure. Um, this being, this can, is certain, this being is not of this realm. This being is not of this realm. And so Luke records a, a, a list, a series of details, and I just want to touch on these just very briefly uh, of what the angel said and what the angel did. And I want you to notice something here. Listen to this. He struck Peter's side and woke him up. He says to him, get up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, gird yourself, put on your sandals, and Peter did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he, that is Peter, went out and continued to follow, and he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Remember, it was just in Acts chapter 10 that Peter had had the vision of the sheet dropping down. This is all uncharted territory for Peter. I don't know if I'm dreaming. I don't know what's going on. Um, so he's, he's having this. Just, all right, all right. The miracle continues. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. Now, it's an iron gate, and it opens by itself. It's not a wooden gate and a strong breeze. This, this gate opens by itself, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. There you have it. Peter in a pickle, in a pinch, uh, with no hope of getting out, 
going out alive is greeted by an angel striking him on the side get up again this servant appears um, light shining he awakes Peter Peter's chains fall off the guards amazingly don't awaken he gives instructions to get dressed and to follow him out and from between guards and through locked gates uh, which open automatically Peter is led out of prison and he is set free one commentator noted this and I thought this was an interesting point why does Luke give us all this detail why did the Lord deliver Peter this way I mean for all of the things that happened couldn't he just have made Peter wake up and just kind of um, vanish in the thin air and then reappear somewhere else couldn't the Lord have done that of course he could have the Lord nothing's impossible he could have done this and yet and yet we see here that the Lord is attentive to each detail that concerns us that concerns Peter now this I found just especially encouraging have you ever had something uh, that has occurred in your life and you said there's no way this can happen and then one event one series of events happens one after another until the impossible situation has actually come to pass this is what we see occurring here the Lord has dealt with the very minutest of details to bring Peter out of this impossible situation he's attentive to each detail he is uh, he's attentive to the fact that there are things that hinder you from moving forward chains and gates and guards and he sees to it that you have all that you need the clothing and the shoes and and that you have safe passage along the way my friends the Lord was there each step of the way with Peter the Lord will be with his people each step of the way if he decides to give us life and to let us live to see another day he will provide each each thing that we need but notice this he doesn't tell Peter at the very beginning now here's the plan Peter the angel doesn't say you get your clothes on I'm gonna keep these guards asleep and make those chains fall off we're going to get those guards and I'm going to lead you down the main street nothing like that does he he says get up and it's it's one instruction after another do one thing at a time sometimes we are so overwhelmed with what goes on in this world and in our life we're saying give me the big picture I just need the end game the end game is you win that's the end game how we get to the end is one step at a time one one obedience after another and taking what the Lord does for us and we say okay Lord I will step in faith I will obey you not knowing exactly where you're leading and it's a scary thing not to know where the Lord is leading but I want to tell you the walk of faith is not one where you know the end other than that you know the Lord holds you in his hand that's all you and I need to know that's all Peter needed to know that's all the church needs to know we know he wins and we trust him for each step along the way and he walks with us each step and he makes his will known little by little he opens up things for us we take, just take that first step of obedience when he presents it to us 
Again, if he doesn't take us home to glory immediately, he will provide what we need in the face of trouble. Of this, I am quite confident. So I'm not worried. Well, do you have a lawyer lined up? No. <laughs> I don't need one yet. Do you have things? Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to preach next week's sermons next week. And I'm going to sit down Tuesday and I'm going to begin working on sermons for next Sunday. And I'm going to pastor and I'm going to talk and I'm going to be involved. And I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. And we don't need to know what's going to happen. We just need to obey the things the Lord has made plain to us. We must always just trust and obey. Trust and obey. Notice then, finally, uh, what Luke writes. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. That's the point of this text, that the Lord has rescued me from the hand of Herod. It's a very similar uh, thing that Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, a little beyond what we were looking at uh, earlier today. Listen to what Paul says in chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed, and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you see a theme here? Do you see a pattern here? That friends, the Lord's people don't need to worry. Nothing's going to come to us that the Lord hasn't lovingly foreordained for us to go through. And if he calls us into a dark valley, you can bet your life on it that he will walk through that dark valley with you step by step he will give you precisely what you need when you need it and until such time you just continue to keep your eyes on the Lord what was true for them will be true for you and for me in the face of persecution that's why we should have and be comforted in the light of this passage let's pray again father we thank you for this night and I thank you, Father, again for the privilege of, of bringing your word to your people. And I pray that they would be encouraged by these things as well. We pray that you would strengthen your people um, on passages of scripture like this. Because we are so prone to forget or to think that your arm is short or that your ear is deaf. That you don't hear the prayers of people or that you don't see what we need. Father, I pray that we wouldn't need to see signs but that we could read your word and simply believe it for what it is and what it says, that this is true, how you delivered Peter, how you delivered Paul, how you delivered so many saints in the past, or how you were with them while they were tied to stakes, while they were sawn in half or hid out in caves. Father, we know that you watch over your people and you are near to them. We pray, Lord, that you would be our great joy and our great delight and that you would be the source of our comfort, knowing, Father, that no one will ever, ever, pry us out of your hands we thank you for such love such a strong love that holds fast to us 
Grant, Lord, that we should live with this peace of mind like Peter, that we could sleep even in the face of danger because we know uh, that our Redeemer reigns and holds us fast. Thank you for this. I do ask that you will bless us now as we go our way. We pray that you would bless our labors for your kingdom this week and our conversations, that Jesus Christ would be lifted up, in whose name I pray, amen.